You have a Zorky? Have we not talked about We'll dig into that deeper <laughs> okay. in this episode. Sheesh. 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 We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Rode Microphones. Rode is an Australian-based audio equipment company with a great U.S. support team that makes quality consumer and professional microphones and accessories. Here at Two Weird Camera Beards, Tom and I use a Rodecaster Pro mixer and Rode pod mics to record each episode. If you're interested in Rode audio equipment, Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller, and you can find their products by visiting mpex.com and searching Rode. That's mpex.com, search R-O-D-E. And a special thanks to Ray Sherlow. Ray wrote the music that we use for the show. It's the song Try a Little Harder from his album Forward Facing. If you dig his music like I do, check out the link in the show notes. Thanks, Ray. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> That's what Ratty read on her skeleton. <laughs> How's it going, Kev? It's good. It's been a while since it's been just you and I. Yeah. In, in the... It's been a while in general, but it's been a while since it's been me yeah. and you just on the mic. So to everybody, we apologize for our absence last week. We had some uh, guest scheduling issues, but we've got those all ironed out now, I believe. And we're going to uh, get some folks... Yeah, uh, Tom is currently ironing the table uh, mm-hmm. next to his plethora of cameras. Um, mm. Yeah, which I would call an arsenal. Actually, when you when you're talking about that many cameras in one spot, uh, like that, three, that grouping, kind of like a murder of ravens. This is an arsenal of cameras. Is that what a group of ravens is called? Yeah, a or murder. A crow. Um, a group of crows is a murder. It just the yeah. usage. Yeah. Yep. And That's then, wild. Um, if I remember Words. this correctly. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong on this, so I want to make sure that I get the. Um, I know that I'm sidetracking here, but it's okay, um, because I just need to get this. This out is of a my great way to start the podcast. I know. I just need to get this brain <laughs> hiccup out of my out of my brain real fast. Uh, so, listeners. Uh, this episode, it's going to be about film. Yeah, it is. Uh, but before we get to that, I need to know. I need you to know that a group of lemurs is called a conspiracy. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I thought is interesting. That makes sense um, for their. I but, don't know. But to circle back, a group of cameras is an arsenal. Oh, at least that's what I call it. Or just yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have a response to that. I don't. <laughs> All right. How, what's 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 been new, Tom? Let's get into let's let's get into that. What's uh, how's life been? It's been good. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I don't know. It's been kind of more of the same, but also just like catching up with old friends and stuff a little bit lately. And yeah, it's been good. Yeah. What about you? Housework, man. Lots of housework recently. Oh yeah. Yep. I got doing the office right now, and uh, beyond that, just kind of hunkering down for the fourth quarter here at midwest photo because it's gonna be crazy yeah yep nice yeah we got a big plan together what, what kind of housework are you doing so we're redoing the office um we're making that into like a game lounge uh oh, work room so you can you can we can take friends up there and do board games or we can do pc games or xbox games or if like someone needs to come over and crash we'll have a couch in there with a mini fridge it's got its own separate bathroom so yeah dang yeah, it's gonna be a nice little lounge it's wild i'm i'm very excited about it. i'm be excited about it Cool. <laughs> as the kids would say these days. Sure. Um, so today our episode is um, we originally had one name for it, and then Maddie was upset that it didn't have enough puns in it. So um, today's episode is developing a taste for film. 
Mm. Get it? That's kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a nice like Mary Berry feel to it. Uh, yeah, or like yeah. a like a film sommelier, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> the, and the, we, the undertones of tea grain here are just. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that. So when when I early on when I was working at Midwest Photo, uh, Kristen, I worked with Kristen a bunch, and we did a film du jour. So film of the day, like Ooh. film of the week, film of the day kind of thing. That sounds cool. And can we bring that back? I mean, sure. Cool. If you scroll back far enough in our Instagram, you'll find some. Dope. Yeah, I lo- it's right on par though. Developing a taste for film. I'm developing a taste for film. Um, what s- is that tea grain that I've? The residual <laughs> notes of C41 chemistry on this <laughs> on this emulsion is just mm, delightful. <laughs> um, so. For those who aren't aware, before digital photography was a thing, you had to load um, either plates, sheets, or rolls into a camera in order mm-hmm. to uh, take a photography. And this was a light-sensitive material called film. Yeah. Um, it was Tom- all chemistry-based rather than digital electronic-based. Right, yeah. And a lot of it, like, the, the cameras are, if you go back far enough, mechanical. And those cameras are very sought after today. Those mechanically driven cameras that don't necessarily require a battery unless you're using the meter or there are some shutter speeds that require a battery, of course. Yeah. Now, Tom, when did you first dive into film? This when, kinda, this, when? Yeah, this this kind of throws it back to our very, very first episode, the yeah. long beginning. So I think that you probably are, are similar to me in this. But, like, so I started taking pictures when digital wasn't as easy uh, easily accessible as it is now that, make, would, that makes sense yeah same i had a little point and shoot uh film camera as my first like well actually i had a polaroid and then a little point and shoot film camera as my first camera which i got at the fye in the pickle mall for 15 dollars. which are still open surprisingly you know? are they yeah yeah i actually stepped into one the other day there's one over at polaris oh yeah yeah kind of wild you, to step you into a good corn cd or uh <laughs> actually papa roach <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah the, um, i'm impressed that they're still around and they have really cool stores um if you haven't been into one before and are into like pop culture and music but uh, similar and you actually prompted a question for me so like I I too got into film it was my first camera mm-hmm. rather than digital my dad gave me and um, and I couldn't remember if I had my film camera first or my Polaroid iZone first oh I had and a Polaroid iZone yeah I still have mine I still has film really? in it but it's all dried up you know yeah. I can't you can't really do anything with it but um, I was thinking back and I'm pretty sure I started with the AE1 first I think that was really the, yeah, and then I got a Polaroid iZone later. Okay, and I think it's because the Polaroid iZone I was more excited about that and wanted that because it was instant. Yeah, and even though the images were tiny, the size of a stamp, the yeah, size yeah. Of, of this picture of Josh's face that I have that we'll oh, post yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> we can post it next to a picture of an iZone image as like, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what size I'm gonna comparison. do when I, when I get home. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you're right. It was it was hard to get a digital camera then. I remember yeah. my mom probably when I was like f- 15 or so finally got a digital camera in Olympus. Really? Yeah. We I think the first one that was in our house was my little sister got at one point for Christmas or something got one of those like 
Kodak Easy Share where you had a little dock for it yep. and all that stuff, and it only worked like half the time with like connections or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That's when Kodak was like, oh, we got to split our time between Porsche manufacturing and this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. A quick side note, I did listen to, uh, there was an old um, Brought to You By episode, which is a, a business episode that talks about brands, um, talking about how Kodak actually had the technology for digital mm. back in like the l- 79, mm-hmm. early 80s, and yeah. they, they actually squashed it in the conference room. They said, this is a detriment and a uh It's going to kill it's gonna, our it, business. It's a risk to our film business. This yeah. needs to be shoved in a closet and never talked about again. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that was, yeah, that's interesting. And then they eventually made digital backs for film cameras. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? Like the F4? Mm. F- F5 maybe that they made? I think it was the F4 that they made digital backs for. So, yeah. So, so the digital. The DCS10 yep, or something. The DCS. Uh, Whatever. Uh, you, you were right. A Pro 14N. I think that was one of their originals. Yes. We've got one in the Canon case right now that's on the back of a Canon yeah. EOS Rebel something. And they're not they're not or cheap E2 these days. or something. They're really? Still, yeah, you like right now there's that one on eBay I just pulled up 2 grand. For like how can you use it? It looks it like connect it's, to anything it's in anymore? pristine condition. Or maybe it's like maybe you can throw a CF card in there still? Maybe. Maybe uh, you can find the old 256 v- megabyte old Firewire VGA cord or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how Tom and I meshed in with film. We started with film, but mm-hmm. honestly, we were born in the era of digital. So digital kind of emerged, and now we're back to our roots. Yeah. So they say. Um, but before Did we- Did you ever leave film completely? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't shoot film for a number of years. Like, huh. probably... Uh, I don't know that decade? I ever stopped. A decade? Okay. Because I took a film photography class in high school, and that was still when I didn't have a digital camera. Yeah, same. And then and then I kept shooting film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, So before we start to get into the weeds of everything and confuse people, let's talk about a few terminologies. Um, Okay. So I already talked about film is right. We know what that is. We know what that stuff is. What What is the current? It's thirty five millimeters currently the most standard, right? That is the most popular. Yes. So there's like thirty five millimeter. You've got one twenty, which just so you know is not one twenty millimeter. It's just one twenty. Um. And then you've got four by five and eight by ten, uh, and which then large format. Yeah, and then going you, and branching then off from there, one ten, all the really six twenty, all that weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. But Thirty-five millimeter though is what the modern like most digital camera full-frame sensors are based off of. So right. Yeah. Um, and within film, you've got speeds. So you know they say we we talked about. Portra 400. There's also Portra 160 and Portra 800. It's referring to the ISO. Exactly. And that's the sensitivity that that emulsion has. Now, this is unique because, you know, if you're listening to this and you're used to digital cameras, then you know that you can change your ISO um, with, like, one button. But Mm -hmm. with film, you're tied to that ISO for either 24, 27, or 36 exposures if you're talking about 35 millimeter. Yeah. Um, Which is, it can be tough, but some people... I have noticed that more and more rangefinders get sold 
mm. they're getting coupled with variable neutral density filters, which tells me that oh. the people buying the rangefinders are used to being able to change their ISO speed. Sure. And thus want that ability kind of on a rangefinder, so they just use a... Or maybe they don't necessarily need that knocked lens. Or maybe they want to shoot that knocked lens wide open all the time <laughs> at 0.95. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Yep. And it's uh, just, if you missed that, variable neutral density filters are filters that allow you to increase and decrease light without changing the shutter speed or aperture. Um, it's a filter. It's a filter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sunglasses for your camera, but cooler. Oh, man. You just nailed that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> like sunglasses. It's like it's like a sunglass, except it's a monocle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's got another monocle in front of it that you spin it. It's pretty tight. Yeah. Um, and then uh, of course, film cameras, they've, some of them have light meters. If they mm -hmm. don't have light meters, like Tom has a, a Zorky 4k sitting here. I assume that blown does not, up my spot over here. I know. I assume this does not have a light meter. Nope. Um, for those unfamiliar, when the Germans came out with, Oh, listen to that wind. Oh man. It's very, very mechanical. Um, uh, when the Germans came out with, uh, Leica and the Russians had it, well, the Soviets had cut themselves off from the world they decided they needed to make something similar so they came out with zorky and it's uh essentially a soviet version of leica yeah it's if you look into the history it's not i mean it was during conflict and stuff it was not they did they didn't borrow it they didn't pay for the designs or anything they, they just they weren't straight up they weren't looking the to factory molds i don't even i've heard i don't even think they were looking f to make a quality camera more so make a camera that <laughs> people would be like all right we got a camera now <laughs> i don't know the like the old jupiter lenses are based off of old zeiss designs and they're really hmm. nice they're no yeah you can kind of see it in the i'm just looking at tom's lens I here mean, on a zorky and it very much has a has a Zeiss they feel even, to it. Some of them even have like a little red emblem that mm. basically is based on the T-Star mm. for the Zeiss. But yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, if if we hit a term here, I guess we can just stop yeah. and kind of explain that term. That and sound? we started that com that whole thing with the Zorky with meters. Lots of cameras have meters yes. that basically tells you what to set the camera at to get the proper amount of light yes. for the type of film that you've got in the camera. Yeah. yeah. So it just got really convoluted really quickly. Yeah. And I, there's a whole nother yeah. rabbit hole you could go into with meters, like yeah. whether they're selenium based or if they're, <laughs> and that's a whole, that's when, that's if when it's selenium. It's probably dead at this point. Yeah. Though. You're not yeah. going to get anything out of a selenium meter, but, um, and that's what a lot of old cameras might have used, but yeah, just depends. Look up your camera. Let us know if you have any questions, of course, about your film cameras or your film, or you need one. We have tons here at Midwest Photo. Just give us a call or shoot us an email. Information's down in the show notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Punch that like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. that's that is what it sounded like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so film's back though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're seeing that a lot in the shop. I mean, we're a ton. Yes. Like we get any 400 speed, 35 millimeter film in and it's gone literally the next day. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, as a lot of you are aware, the global pandemic has interrupted several supply chains, shipping, mm -hmm. uh, computer advancement, stuff like this. And, and you may say, well, it's a piece of film. How much technology could possibly go into Just it? Resources too. it? It's resources. It's resources too. It's getting the tiny little film canisters, yeah. you know, it, it, Kodak wants them to be black, but unfortunately right now they're making them in silver. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't have, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. So, um, but film is back. We're constantly keeping our film fridge stocked here at the store. 
um, this is something that we are seeing both professionals and students across that full like experience spectrum using. Yeah. Um, of course, Tom and I went to college for photography. Well, mm-hmm. your your degree is in photography. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we both went to college for photography. We both had, I assume you had to shoot film when you were in photography. Quite a bit, yeah. Even though it my was mostly film based when I was there. That's interesting. Yeah. Even though my degree was in digital photography specifically, yeah. they required you to go through um, thirty-five medium and large format courses. Yeah. And film based. Um, that makes sense. I always got a hang of thirty-five and large format, but I'm still intimidated by medium format. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Because um, medium format shoots a lot like thirty-five. I n- it does. Yeah. But. I think the thing that jars me is the paper backing and the lack of sprockets. Oh, oh And, huh. like, that throws me off. Huh. Compared to, like, large format, I know I'm just loading two sheets into a holder. Yeah. And I'm ready to go out the door. Like, I know that's the only That two. seems even more crazy than paper backing and the lack of sprockets. <laughs> At least it's on a roll. I don't know. That's wild to me that that's, yeah. Yeah, that that's intimidating to you. Yeah. So when we were, like, when I was showing Ashley, yeah. we were looking at a video, like, this is how you load a medium format camera. And she's like, okay, because she wanted to learn it because she's, mm-hmm. she's got her new Yashica Mat 124 yeah. uh, TLR. It's a twin lens reflex. It's those kind of old school cameras that you guys see. You look through the top of it to take like the, the picture. Like the Vivian Meyer type of camera. Exactly. And um, so she got a hang of that, and she's very good at loading her own film now. Uh, I don't really help her because, again, it freaks me the heck out. Yeah. <laughs> I. That's weird. That Yeah. I. Yeah, most of my experience, like, was with film. Mm-hmm. Like, I, my first camera was a Nikon D80 while in college, mm-hmm. and... It like that felt more foreign to me than the Mamiya 645 that I had at the time. That's too. very interesting. Yeah, that's very very interesting. Just because the process and figuring, like, yeah, it shot a lot like film, just because you couldn't go over like 3200 ISO. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you could, couldn't you? Maybe one stop, but it would look like garbage above like 1600. Yeah, okay. Like okay. it was just grainy. I got you. You know, 2008 sensor technology. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then and in terms of the, the professional, I think the one name that I keep uh, in my head that comes out, um, we've had him on the show from a Where Are They? Was Did we do a Where Are They Now with them or did we just do a separate episode with Spencer Lookabaugh? He... Shoot. I don't remember what type of episode that was, right? But yeah, but Spencer is an is an, uh, was an employee here, uh, still a good friend of the store. Shoots a ton of film. Yeah, lots of film, and some of it commercially, right? I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he's yeah. like, he's doing a lot of film with his commercial work right yes. now, which is bonkers to me. Yeah. If you want to hit the Bonk- bonkers. Oh button. yeah. Hold on. I totally forgot about the bonkers button. Um, bonkers. There we there go. We go. <laughs> but yeah, it's insane to me. He's shooting. I think with an RZ, and like he's shooting tons of 120, mm-hmm. just blowing through portrait 160 and 400. Woof. Yeah. Woof. But I mean, he also I think he also has one of those Fuji GX 680s. That's like mm. almost looks like a four by five camera, but it's yeah. takes 120 and shoots six by eight. And he does a lot of really cool product stuff with that because you get some tilt and swing out of the lens. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and now, film's back for me, at least for the time being. Yeah. Film seems, well, you were telling me before, you just collect cameras. I've got a bunch, yeah. <laughs> I have a bunch. I've got more than one, I've got more than a couple Zorky 4s, I think. Really? Because they're, 
they're fairly cheap and easy to come by and like usually if somebody's like if you know what it is the person that has it is like yes take this please <laughs> and i'm like all right cool yeah i'll shoot with it oh interesting um yeah. i mean it's it's back for me too but i admittedly and a lot of people know this i busted my canon at ql17 that has been hard yeah r.i.p um it's a bummer uh yeah and i even tried to disassemble it to fix it myself and unfortunately there is just one part that i will never be able to get and mm. and while i can i can make it work with how it works i think it's just time to retire it yeah um just like i retired the ae1 program my very first camera uh, it had shutter wine mm. you know it, a lot of if people aren't familiar if you have a canon ae1 or an ae1 program the thing that kills it over time is the shutter the lubrication in the shutter goes eventually out. breaks down yeah and then when you take a photo it goes K-king! i was gonna it, it say wa- we always <laughs> called it the canon cough because it would always go <laughs> like, when you're taking the picture yeah yeah so um but i'm without film camera right now so i've just been borrowing from the store my dream what i tell my wife is my retirement camera is what tom has on the table right now unfortunately oh the best r2a the voigtlander you switched it up you yeah. were originally thinking an the m7 m7 Leica. Yeah. but nope it doesn't make sense for me um because the m7 only has two mechanical shutter speeds um for those who don't know that means that oh yeah without a battery i can only shoot at two shutter speeds with that camera and it's so got it, two though yeah that's wild yep. like every nikon that i've had has had like m like m90 that mechanical mm-hmm. 90th of a second which yeah it's 60 and 1 125th huh so the camera can shoot at 1 60th of a second so essentially once you once your battery dies you just have an expensive holga yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that's once great. once once the electronics fail in it again you have an expensive Holga. Yeah, with a way better <laughs> not plastic lens. Yeah, so that Tom has this Voigtlander Bessa R2, and what I tell people... I don't own it. I'm, I'm, it's on borrowed, loan. Yeah. yeah, it's on loan from the store. We have a couple right now, um, and I drool over them. I've shot one. I think I put four rolls through it. Yeah. And uh, just an amazing camera. I tell people, if you're looking for a Leica, that's a fashion accessory, like Matt Marash says. And uh, if, if, you're, if you're into Leica and you appreciate Leica for what it is, cool. But if you're into Leica because it's an expensive camera around your neck, I'm sorry. That's not what this is for. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny, though. Like, I mean, uh, I don't know that we want to dig too far into this. But I think that, I don't know, the people that seems like another extension of persnickety film or like photographers right. get, being protective of their space. Yeah. And saying like, well, since you like Leica, you can't be a serious photographer like, because it's like, an accessory. Yeah, it's a little bit of gatekeeping on yeah. both both ends because they are really expensive. But it is also literally the first ever thirty five millimeter stills camera to exist was a Leica, so it, like it holds an important part right. in photography's history, almost like the Nikon F right. kind of thing. And and for those who are hearing this word Leica and unfamiliar, it's a German manufacturer that makes lenses and cameras and has been making them pre-World War, well, I'm sorry, any World War, really, if I'm remembering this correctly. I don't remember when the first one was introduced. So um, they're very expensive. They're very expensive because they're made by Germans. Well, the optics are still made yeah. in Germany. The optics are still made in Germany, and they're made, they're essentially assembled by hand yeah. with ex- like the most extreme quality controls I've ever seen, at least from the videos that sure. I've seen. 
I think that the va- I think that the price of them is also a marketing thing of the value of the sure, camera because they too. only almost like Rolex. Yeah, because like Leica the, only makes so many lenses yeah. and cameras per year, so it's very exclusive. Um, yeah, we're talking in the thousands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, not, yeah. Not in even tens of thousands. If, if I'm probably some of them. Yeah, like they do special editions and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But the Bessa, going back to this, the Voigtlander Bessa R2 <laughs> is essentially a Leica. It has a Leica mount. It shoots a shutter speed faster than Leica. It is mechanical. It has a meter, um, which you can not use the meter if you don't have a battery in there. Um, but otherwise... It's basically if, if like, a it, Japanese camera manufacturer made an M6 better. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly in what In every is. possible way that they could. Uh, this, but this, it, it, it does have more plastic. It's not brass. Sure. It's yeah. not, like... That's the other thing with Leicas is, is in, it's kind of got tanks. that old that whole like old school way of thinking of like yep. i could have pounded steaks with my nikon f2 <laughs> and it's like okay but you're not going to yeah so yeah. uh that's where i'm at as i'm i'm kind of just floating around range finders at the moment which is yeah. my my format of choice yeah and you you, you really dig range finders though that's like that we should like so range finders aren't super common no that's a weird not. type of camera most people start with like an slr or it something is, yeah. and i started with an slr yep and so rangefinders for those unfamiliar it it's a it's a compact camera that is not you have a parallax error which means you look through one window but your image is actually being taken through the lens of another essentially yeah. quote unquote window now there's a clutch kind of mechanic system to it where the lens when it mounts uh hits a spring-loaded mechanism that interacts with <laughs> the eyepiece so that you may focus the lens um, so once you turn the lens, of course, the spring-loaded mechanism gets pushed or pulled. Yeah. And then the rangefinder moves in and out to show you where focus is. Yeah. Um, it's a very unique experience if you haven't shot one before. Come in the shop and try one out. I, yeah. I think it's very inspiring. Yeah. I th- yeah, they're cool. Very cool. And they're goofy in a lot of ways. Which which format are you shooting the most these days, Tom? Because you're back in film, too. Yeah. You shooting 120 or 35 more? So I would say as a whole, I'm shooting way less than I used to. Like I've just like my role here at Midwest Photo has expanded in a way that I'm not shooting as much as I used to. And which I don't know. Role. I like I'm in the things that I'm shooting, I'm enjoying more. So like it it just kind of depends on what I'm shooting. Uh I shoot a lot with my Nikon Z six two and I also just like I usually have a film camera in like whatever bag I'm taking to hang out with friends or something and like shooting some portraits along the way and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm shooting a little, I'm shooting very, I would say pretty evenly between film and digital. And I have like Mm. kind of throughout, like since I got that Nikon D80, like the digital is kind of ease of use. And also like if I'm shooting color, it's usually on digital Mm -hmm. because I like the, I like the things I can do with black and white film. I, I like to push and pull the film, which if you're not familiar with it, look it up. It's it's kind of cool. It gives it more versatility. That's kind of how you change your ISO yeah. with film is by pushing and pulling. Right. Um But yeah, I like to I like to play around with black and white and development and all that stuff. What um so you haven't shot with the Bessa yet? You've obviously shot with your Zorky before. Mm-hmm. I have shot with a Bessa. I think it was the Bessa R, like the like the like the one with like the be- a thread the, mount with the bellows. 
No, it's like this, but oh, with like a thread yeah, mount. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. There was a Bessa, there was a Bessa R. With when I was in college, I bought one off of eBay in like mint condition from Japan. It was a green, like the olive drab green mm, body, yes. and I thought it was so cool. Yep. And I bought it, and I was making no money at Starbucks while going to school and trying to pay rent and stuff, and I was like, this was a mistake. I do not have the <laughs> funds for this. And it was only like, it was like four or $500. Now they're going for probably eight or nine hundred oh no okay so a Bessa art if you were talking r or r2s uh, the original r the original r yeah you can get them for about 800 bucks right now 800 yeah. 900 bucks right but now. i think that the olive drab ones still go for yes. a lot more yes because so, they're harder to come by in order of expensiveness yeah Bessas that are black are yeah. the least expensive Bessas that are green are the second most expensive and yes there is a Bessa that is silver the chrome yeah the 250 year Which anniversary really yeah I think that they made standard ones too that were kind of a bluish gray color. Um, yeah, but it wasn't the R two, the R or R. It was a weird R two variant. Okay. Yeah, it was like R two like or something. But yeah, that I bought that and I was like, this I I should not be spending money like this right now. So I yeah. sent it back and now I I don't know. I guess I don't really regret it because I've got a Zorky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. I did that. I did that. There's going to be so many people that are like, "What the?" This hell clearly doing? shows our differences yeah. in college because I did that same thing where I like I barely had a job and I was in college and I was trying to, you know, mm-hmm. and I went out and instead of a camera, it was an Xbox. Mm. <laughs> I could never bring myself to, like it, at least with a camera. If my parents are like, "Where the? Where's your money at? Like, what are you doing?" Yeah. And I'm like. I'm a photo student and this is the camera that I bought. But if it was an Xbox, like I, I also, yeah, I get way too competitive with, with video games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not good. Um, so <laughs> you've got, you've got your arsenal of cameras. Uh-huh. I have my library that I rent from here at the store. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Um, what's let's, let's hear your top three films that you've been shooting like or that your top films yeah, like or film what? cameras. Film, um, films, film. Well, yeah, what are you putting in your camera? What roles? I'm very indifferent. <laughs> are you I, serious? Yeah, I really like. I'm usually shooting whatever's the cheapest, whatever. Like, because a lot of times I'm shooting black and white, and I'm like, oh. I can, I can usually make it look like I know how most films will react to light and how I can develop it to yeah. compensate for things. And like, I don't know. I shoot a lot of Kentmere. <laughs> But I do, I do love double X. Actually, it's cheap. Yeah, well, <laughs> so Ch- Kentmere is like, in my experience, it it shoots a lot like Delta. I kind of, I kind of speculate that it's actually Delta that's just on is a it, thinner film stock. Is it thirty two hundred? No, it's one hundred and four hundred speeds. Oh, okay. And in Ilford Delta is a kind of standard film, one hundred and four hundred. It's kind of like T Max. They have a thirty two hundred too, don't they? That's what they I, do. That's but what Kodak also has a del- or a T Max thirty two hundred. Ah, uh, okay. But anyway, so I sh- like to shoot on that. I also like the fact that Kentmere is a really f- thin film stock, so it lays flat a lot easier than the thicker. Like the thicker films tend to hold their curl more, which mm-hmm. makes it difficult to scan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, like. I'm not a huge fan of color film. Like, I think it just, like, unless you have a ton of light, unless you're going out on a beautiful day mm-hmm. and just giving it all the light that it needs, I think that I think that color negative film looks, like, a little dirty in a way that I don't really like. It's really interesting. Like, I think that the shadows go green too quick. I think, like, I don't know. It just gets funky. Yeah. I do like, uh, what is it, the... 
shoot the 800t sinister oh, i like that stuff Oof, a lot too that stuff is nice yeah so i think my three films would probably be uh would probably be kentmere and then uh kodak double x and then the sinister 800 gotcha. i also like i don't know i like the funkier stuff too like the pan f50 by ilford is really really, really beautiful okay like it's like a lot of people got upset about uh, a few years ago when uh, Acros got discontinued, and oh, then yeah. they came out with another version of Acros. Acros but too. yeah, but uh, I wasn't really bummed because I thought Pan F fifty looked even better, and oh. it's only a stop less. Okay, so, yeah. Um, interesting. Very interesting. I I have the same philosophy as you, in yeah. that color you have to feed it light. Yeah. Now. I think most people that have shot color film know that, that it looks, yeah, unless you're going for the party pick vibe with just grain and dust everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so for those who are familiar with shooting digital, which are a lot of you, um, and not familiar with shooting film, which is a good chunk of you, film isn't like a raw file in that you can go back and make fixes to certain, like there's... There's black a l- and white's a little bit more lenient, yeah. but color black and white's very flexible. But color color has its weird tendencies. You know, uh, kind of shooting Lomography 400. I know mm-hmm. now that if there is any hint of shadowness in yeah. your image, your colors aren't going to pop. They're going to go. Your shadow is going to turn straight blue. Yeah, and it's going to look sad. Oh, on the 50, on the lo- on or the, wait, on the Lomography Lomo 400. 400. Yeah, okay, on the Lomo 400 okay. color reversal film okay you're i thought you were talking 50d at first you're gonna find those colors okay. are op- absolutely pop they they're poppy they're vibrant they're beautiful in direct sunlight the yeah. second you get any any kind of whiff of shadow straight blue to the shadows and yeah. just if you have a bunch of shadow in the in the shot then it becomes this contrast between like vibrancy and sadness mm. and it's not fun mm. so yeah with color Dibs film. on that band, <laughs> vibrancy and sadness. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> um, juicy tones, man. But uh, <laughs> my top three, Portra. Duh. Yeah, uh, I do like Portra a lot, too. Portra is so consistent. You, I just, I love it. I love them. I love them tones. Yeah. Um, if you're, If I'm shooting anything for, like, people that like i need to deliver some sort of image and i want to shoot some film yep. yeah porch is a good go-to for yeah, sure for sure um and then i'm gonna say my second's actually gonna be black and white yeah and i'm gonna go with fp4 it's yeah. always been silky smooth to i me like fp4 nice yeah nice and crisp yeah i really like it did um, you ever shoot plus x kodak plus x 125 i liked that stuff too i don't think i did that was cool. Okay, I have to. Ch- I, have to I, I mean, it's no longer produced. So. I can find an expired roll. Sure, maybe. But then it'll. You might as well shoot double X. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just order some yeah. for that <laughs> Um I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do. I will say though, I really do like shooting Ectochrome as well. Like, I think it's beautiful. I have shot one roll of that, and it is gorgeous. <sighs> it's so good. But I feel like a mere peasant, and I can't, like... The thing uh, yeah. The thing that I found with Ektachrome, so uh, most color film that you're going to find on the market that is processed by chemistry called C41 is going to be color reversal film, which means when you look at it... Negatives. It, it looks gross. It's a negative image. Yeah. You have to... You look at the negatives, and they... They kind of have like a purpley, uh, orangish brown. Yeah, or not green. Yeah, yeah. Just naming colors over <laughs> here. Man. And with Ektachrome, it is a uh, 
a chromatic, a slide film, a positive mm-hmm. image. So when you look at the film, you can actually see the image. Yeah. I recently developed a roll of Ektachrome. It looks so good. It It is so nice. You shot it in Hawaii. Too, I shot it in you? Hawaii. Like, which I've, you, I've, like how could it not look good? It's 36 perfect photos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing that I found was I took, I looked at the scans. And I was like, these are nice. These are really nice. But then I got the film back and I was like, these scans, I will spit on them. Do the film no justice. Slide, Whoa. Slide film. I, I don't know what Jeez. it, the scans, scans with, sli- I think it's scans and slide film. You look at the scans, you're like, those are nice. But then you look at the the actual film and you're like, that's gorgeous. Yeah. And I think that's well, and why. Well, it's radiate, like it's it's a transparency. So yeah. like it's literally glowing like because you're holding it up to the light yeah. and stuff. And yeah. so I think that. Some magic. To do slide film justice, you have to kind of display it as a slide. Yeah, and or just print it on a transparency, and yeah. then get a light box in your house, and just have a giant thirty-two by twenty or twenty-four by thirty-two light box in your house that's radiating you better, Hawaii. You better have a printer capable pr- capable of printing transparency as beautiful as Ektachrome, because I still we think got that an one. Epson P nine thousand. We got you, but yeah, so, I, I like that. Yeah, um, so uh, Portra. FP4 and my third would be Cinestill 800T. Okay. I, I shot that at our happy hour at Land Grant uh, Brewing Company. You know, once a month or so, us employees try to go out and enjoy ourselves together and kind of, yeah, just talk about stuff that's not work. Yeah. But we end up talking about cameras anyway. There. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the Office episode where they're all like, "Can we? Can we not talk about paper, paper. right now?" <laughs> yeah. But and yeah, that like it, it was gorgeous. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's tungsten um, balanced, which means that it's designed to be. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention that when talking about film. Yeah. That it's rated for a type of white balance. Yeah. You can't can't just shoot any film anywhere. Like, it's got to be daylight balanced or it's tungsten balanced. Or not and just ignore it and it'll get weird and fun and cinematic a little bit. Or shoot black and white. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which has no white balance. Yeah, man. Um, I dig that. Mm. 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 (laughs) Mmm. Hey Josh, could you edit out this weird long pause for us? <laughs> um, when you develop, let's jump to this. When you Uh-oh. develop, when you develop color or film, are you doing it yourself? I did color film a little bit. So, man, I I have a lot of friends that develop color film at home in like kitchen sinks and stuff, and that that stresses me out because color chemistry is hella toxic. Yeah, it's not good. Nope. Like, if you've got dishes drying on a rack next to your sink and there's like splattering chemistry and like it's getting on like that's not good. I would recommend this that if you are if I, you're going to do stuff at home, either find yourself a dedicated space in which to do that. The bathroom. You're not putting your or, mouth on any of that stuff. A lot of people have <laughs> outlets in their garage for utility sinks. Yeah. Not a I bad idea a, to build yourself a small dark room in the garage. Yeah, I have I enough a, room in mine I could make it happen. I had a college house that had a uh that had a like utility sink in the basement and that's when I did the most color development mm-hmm. but it also had no ventilation so I also felt weird about that too but uh, yeah that's got to be tough but yeah I don't know I don't really I've never well and I don't really enjoy developing color film cuz there's less that you can do with it than black and white like yeah. with black and white it's such basic chemistry that like you have a greater impact on like pushing, pulling, agitation, how much grain you're going to see, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas color, you can push, which is really cool, 
but that's kind of it and it's other than that you're checking the boxes of like following a procedure it's more like it's more like chemistry than baking or i guess cooking because i guess baking is also very measured as well yeah do you do your own black and white uh when i get the chance to i actually miss that quite a bit i haven't had the time or energy to do that for a while yeah and i actually have a baggie of i used to go to some blue jackets events and shoot like just film cameras Mm -hmm. at them and just for fun for me and i learned i basically figured out a process to push 400 speed i don't know like t-max delta or kentmere 400 to 6400 iso dang and get a decent image and so it took me a long time to do that, and I still have a baggie of that film from like a development camp or something. So you, you from came a while up with ago. that process, like the process I, of getting it to ooh, that point. I don't feel comfortable taking full credit. I kind of took somebody else's and tweaked it a little bit. So I'm going to make a recommendation for our listeners: if you're into film, get download the app called Massive Dev Chart. Okay, it's incredible. It literally you pick the film that you're using, you pick the chemistry that you're using, and it's got a conglomerate. It's like nine bucks to download, but it's like the most helpful darkroom companion ever. Like you, and it has and has a timer. It has a timer built in, so each step you hit next when you reach the end of each step, and it goes to the next timer. And it's all and it simplifies a lot of the process and makes it a repeatable process. Yeah. And so I figured out, so usually when you're pushing film, you're doing 20% uh, increase in development time per stop. Mm-hmm. Um, with it being ice hockey, there's a lot of white surface, a lot of reflected light up. Great. So it's also like you're almost like shooting in a snowy environment, which makes, or sandy, like on the beach kind of environment, yeah, which makes it hard to meter. So I kind of... I followed that and then kind of went through that process. I I'm, uh, I can hear myself popping the peas right now. <laughs> and, it's, and every time I say process and it's bugging me. But, um, but yeah, I, I did that. And then I also, if you guys haven't heard of this guy, it's Ted Forbes on uh, YouTube, The Art of Photography. Okay. He does a stand development video that I got a lot out of just in terms of how to develop better like basically improving your process like Mm -hmm. i had no interest in sand development but i watched the video and he developed kind of a halfway point between stand development and regular inversion agitation development Hmm. where you're basically swirling it like a wine glass so you're replenishing the developer without super Uh, agitating it and you get finer grain sharper photos and all that stuff so dang but it also changes your development time because you're not inverting it you're not like Right. really smashing that developer into the film yeah so. interesting that was really long-winded but yes i it develop really black cool. and white film at home sometimes um <laughs> i i will admit i don't ever do i've never developed color myself i have no interest in figuring out that process it's I, fun I, like if you have any interest in pushing it which i feel like you would get a kick out of pushing it like taking a taking for like portrait 400 push to 800 you can shoot at 1600 and it looks great and cinematic and beautiful how does it look pulled i've never gotten into pulling film because that seems silly to me Mm. but i don't i I just haven't seen any use for it there's not very many times where i'm like i can't go up a shutter speed Mm. i can usually do that and you're not going to get any finer grain photos from it that's very true yeah um 
I we do have a few employees here who have developed their own color film, and I I want to shout them out because I think what they yeah. do is impressive. First, uh, one of our newest employees, Nick, who is in our uh, warehouse. Nick's cool. Nick's cool. He actually has um, essentially a, a sous vide uh device that's awesome um that's really popular film with film developers yeah and i'm pretty sure he has the cinestill one which some people have problems with it he swears by it he loves it yeah um so essentially this is a device that sits in water um and circulates it at a um consistent temperature which is very very important when you're talking about chemistry it's a cooking device yeah sous vide is just so everybody knows normally it's used for cooking meats (laughs) yeah like you throw stuff in a sealed bag throw that in a in a bath water a water bath and then have the sous vide heat the meat to a specific temperature and then take it out before like did you ever i guess you never developed color before that so like before that before the sous vide came out Mm -hmm. it was kind of crazy people were using like aquarium heaters and stuff to like that makes to maintain a temperature because temperature is very important that makes a lot of color development um the other person I want to shout out would be um, Anna Camphouse in our lighting department. Mm. She told me that her and her boyfriend, Brian, developed slide film in their sink by maintaining the temperature with hot and cold pores. Oh, yeah. So, you know, kind of submerging and then hot and cold just to maintain that temperature stabilization, which was pretty... That sounds in- stressful. It does. I would I would be sweating and running around and cursing and, yeah. Yeah. I guess <laughs> if you've got a buddy to work with, that's good, too. That, that does help. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all that to say, there is there is an art to developing your own film, and it's something to take pride in. But I have to admit something. This is something I'm finally going to admit. Oh, here we go. For those who aren't aware, when you have your black and white developed here, it is developed by Matt Marash. And I'm a little obsessed with the fact that anytime I have a black and white photo, and somebody says, "Oh, do you do your own processing?" I can say, "No." Matt Marash process this. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like a level of prestige as much as Matt Marash has no, like if you've met Matt, he's very down to earth. He doesn't have any go. Yeah. Like he downplays his prestige in the film world, but we all know that he is the expert that we go to. Here. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I actually had a friend message me on Instagram and he said, did I just see you in a Matt Marash video? <laughs> yeah. And he lives in California and he's a big, you know, we, we, he, uh worked with my wife and everything and uh i said if funny enough yes that was me in a matt marash video <laughs> That's uh, cool, i work man. with matt i get to talk with matt like he's a great resource for me and yes he even develops my photos <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh i do like i do like saying that i do like having the the prestige of having matt marash develop my photo. yeah <laughs> because it's- you know he handles everything with such great care yeah um and that's important that's important just so you guys know matt marash is also uh, we should shout out his podcast he he's on probably the biggest film Film photography it's the film photography project fpp FPP. with uh uh who's the host of that something russo i forget what it's michael russo michael russo isn't it um, the other thing to, to keep in mind about FPP is that they um, actually make film. They have specialty yeah. films. We um, carry it. We carry it. Uh, we're really excited about um, their new film coming out every year. They do a Halloween project. Um, and this year they've got Frankenstein. And Frankenstein's going to be available in 35, yeah. 120. And yes, it will be even available this year in 4x5, which is a new. Uh, Dude. Yeah, I'm very stoked about that. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, and if you need FPP film, we've got that here. We hope to have uh, Frankenstein in. Uh, That's hopefully. cool. So, 
Um, very stoked about that. Should we? Oh man, should we drop the the project that you and Matt are going to be working on here soon this upcoming week? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about that. So this year, um, I've taken on uh, the responsibility of doing our staff portraits. If you go to mpex.com, you can see some of our staff portraits that were taken some time ago. I'm going to guess around two ish, two and a half years ago. Depends on the associate. It depends yeah. on the associate, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start doing these every year so that we all have refreshed images. You know what we look like. Like I don't look like my photo anymore, right? Yeah. I've started to wear glasses when I'm looking at a screen. I've got a nose ring now. Like I'm a little different of a person than what yeah. you saw in that photo back yeah. in the day. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, we're going to take two photos. We're going to take a digital one like we always do. Um, but this year we're also going to have the pleasure of uh, Matt Morash shooting us on four by five uh, black and white film, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. We originally had intended on doing something separate with a different type of film, but it did not work out, unfortunately. <laughs> and we're going to stick with like HP five FP four situation. Yeah. So yeah, we're super excited about that. And um, it's going to be so cool. Yeah. And then in addition to this, um, we are working with one of our associates, uh, Jenna Friel, who is an amazing illustrator. Um, we want to give her a shout out too. She'll be illustrating us all after we have our photos taken. So we're going to have some really cool illustrations of us Heck and yeah. images of us. So, um, Getting back into film, mm -hmm. let's talk about, um, so we talked about how you and I like to develop. Like I, I send all my color stuff here to Midwest. We do C41 development now. We can cross process C6, but we don't do true E6 slide film development. Um, and of course we always have been offering our black and white development, which as I mentioned is developed by the great Matt Marash. Um, in yeah. terms of processing time, Tom, I'm going to, I know that Matt only typically develops the black and white once a week, which means you get a once a week swing when it mm -hmm. comes to black and white work, unless there is like a huge run around black and white that week. And he may double up and do a, a mid week batch. Yeah. In terms of color what's our outlook and if someone comes and brings a color roll into us now because that's something that we offer it's a pretty pretty quick turnaround time it's not it's not one hour but i it, if you drop off before noon mm -hmm. or like yeah before noon we should have it done by like 5 p.m that day cool and really it's been it's been even quicker than that jenna's jenna and andy here have been and now persephone mm -hmm. our newest associate here um, they've been kicking butt and really getting that turned around quickly Yeah, and yeah. And getting scans and all that. We've got, we've got a pretty, pretty awesome setup right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for C41, that can be like Tom said, if it's, if it's dropped off before now, we can typically get that developed. We do offer scans as well. We have a, um, film scanner. Yeah. Um, with, it's a really nice film. Scan. It, it is gets really killer scans. I've stopped using my Epson V600 awesome. for scanning. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, we can do, we can do standard scans, which gets you four by sixes all the way up to like, you know, enhanced, mm -hmm. uh, super and enhanced scans. So yeah. Um, any kind of resolution that you need, we can, we can cover that. Or if you just want to develop, we could do that too. Um, but in terms of time, I think it's really cool. I call it Frankie, by the way, that the big machine, Frankie, the Fuji developer, mm. uh, the whale. Okay. So it's this giant machine. That, that makes sense for the fishbowl, the whale. Frank, Frankie the Fuji whale, which is our machine that develops, our C41 yeah. machine that develops the color film, um, takes about 10, 10 minutes. But given the number of rolls that we go through, um, we have backlogs and we have to maintain a constant stream of, of development. So, um, yeah. But it's a really cool machine and uh, it's a really cool process to watch. Um, I've got a time lapse that we can share on our Instagram that kind of shows the, oh, yeah. the film coming out, oh, yeah. uh, which was kind of fun to to watch um what would you consider like a good starter 
I know we got a lot of film cameras on our for, floor right now. Oh, for film cameras. Yeah. I thought you were talking like film developing kits kind of thing. We we can do that too. Okay. Yeah, let's let's do that too. So for film cameras, I mean really the film camera situation has kind of blown up in a weird way. The in that like most simple kind of uh not even mechanical, but like completely manual, manual focus, manual aperture, manual uh, shutter speed cameras with a good meter have become really difficult yep. to get and to like, and they've just gotten more expensive. Yep. So like, really, if you're in that racket, like I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I would say what I would look if if you're coming to us, I would say give us a call and we will take a look through our inventory and see what like where we are. And part of the thing that I think is cool with film is you could end up with something completely crazy, uh, like a Zorky. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't know. Like you could yeah. start out with something that somebody says, "Why are you shooting? Like why did you choose that?" Yeah. And it's like sometimes it's like. I don't know. It's, if it works uh, it for chooses you. you a little bit. Like it does, whatever's yeah. available, like go for it. And a lot of them have really nice sharp glass. A lot of them like are kind of weird and funky in ways that like it'll force you to shoot differently, but that's mm -hmm. kind of the point mm -hmm. is to force you to think differently. Um but yeah, I would say like I don't know, just give us a call and we'll take a look at what we've got because our our, the the other thing is our film inventory is like constantly changing. It is regularly rotating. Um, yeah. Casey Stewart, who's our used uh, manager, has done a phenomenal job of maintaining a nice rotation of film cameras um, as that trend has increased. Yeah. Um, I think if you just want something that just works, though, and will you will not run into really any issues with, and it's pretty much guaranteed, I would say like Nikon FM, FE. Yep. I was You're going to spend four or 500 bucks, maybe. Yeah. Though, like depending on what lens you get, but I mean, it's going to work. Yeah. In terms of film cameras, I don't think there's any film camera on the market less than 250, 300 right now. Maybe some there's some Minolta's maybe, maybe some point there's shoots. some Minolta's yeah. like the 370 I think is still under okay. a couple hundred bucks and I, maybe like a what is the is it Nickermat that are still like but they may not have a working meter kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. I would recommend like a um my my because I started off on an A1 that's what I would recommend that's pretty straightforward I think you can get them now between 250 300 and if it has a little bit of a wheeze, I wouldn't even worry about I it. I wouldn't worry about it if yeah. it has a wheeze. Just keep it Just going. Just shoot it. And you know what? There are places close in the Midwest or across the country, really, that can CLA. And yeah. CLA is um, clean, we lubricate, and adjust. Mm -hmm. And yep. that is a process done to film cameras to ensure that the shutters are timing properly, the apertures are um, you know, opening and closing and are lubricated properly, and that you're just making sure the camera's in working order. It's essentially a, a, a refurb, if you yeah. will, of a film camera. Yeah, it's just general maintenance. It's like an oil change on your car kind of thing. Exactly. I would, I, if you're buying an, a film camera that's older than 30 years, though, assume that you will need a CLA at some point in the near future. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I want to point out here is that our rentals department does do try before you buy and they're not always opposed to just digital stuff. If you point to something on the used shelf, which mm -hmm. is right next to our rentals shelf, most of the time if it's available mm -hmm. and there's not like some hot run on it and you can provide all of the pertinent information to our rentals department, they will allow you to rent it. 
Yeah. Um, which is pretty unusual because I don't know a whole lot of places renting film cameras these we days. We used to have like three or four in our film or mm-hmm. in our rental department. We had a. I think we still have a EOS a, 1V even. Really? Maybe. We had a Contax. Uh, is it? Yeah. We had a Contax rangefinder autofocus camera. In there. Oh, the G2. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. or the G1 or G2. I was thinking I T2, and I knew that that wasn't right. You, but yeah, 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 G2. And then we had a Mamiya 7 in there at one point. Mm-hmm. We had a Hasselblad kit in there at one point. Yep. But yeah. Um, so if you. If All you, about film. If you do have interest in this, make sure you stop by, and we might even be able to rent you one. Um, in terms of film, I would just recommend someone straight up HP5. Just start out with that. You could develop it at home if you wanted to with some I would chemistry say, that's not going to break the bank. Yeah. For the first. If you're just starting out, pick a film and shoot nothing but that for a little bit. Yep. And just figure out like what it does in different light and what it and you'll start to learn and predict what it's going to do. Yep. Yeah. What do you what's your take on um Visco Oh, like the filters? The film film apps essentially. I've never used them. You've never used them? No. I used to use Visco a little bit. Yeah. And I liked it, but was never quite like 100% satisfied with it. Yeah. But I do want to point this new thing out that I've been running on. And Tom knows Kevin's Kevin the, Kevin's hot on this right now. I am super hot on this. I'm so hot on this. I've been actually, funny enough, I just opened my phone. And uh, my high school photography teacher has been Instagram messaging me oh, ab- yeah? about trading in some stuff to go Fujifilm. That's crazy. Digital, yeah. And so I was talking about this because he likes to shoot film quite a bit. He's got a, um, a Mia M645 that he's oh. going to get rid of because he hasn't shot it And in this a while. was your high school photo teacher? Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah. And he has a original 5D, like a classic yeah. OG 5D. Yeah. And he was talking about getting rid of some of those so that he could get a Fuji X-Pro1. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And we started talking. And this is what I'm, I, I wanted to touch on with the film apps. What you get on an iPhone is not going to be anywhere close to what film is like. The grain, the color. The lens. The lens. uh, Let alone automatically makes you know that it was shot with an iPhone pretty easily. That said, Mm -hmm. I do want to point out one resource for digital shooters where they can experience something close to, but not exactly film. Yeah. If you have an Android or an iPhone, which is like Mm 99.9% of the population, there is an app. If you shoot Fuji, and it's specifically for Fuji, it's called Fuji X Weekly. This app oh. is community-driven, oh, which means that anybody can put a quote-unquote recipe on there. Hmm. It's just an app full of recipes. And essentially what it's doing is it, Fuji uses a X-Trans sensor, which is different from a bare array sensor. Mm-hmm. The pixels, red, green, blue, are mm-hmm. aligned differently. Mm-hmm. They're aligned this way to create a different sense of color. Their yeah. color science team at Fuji worked closely based on what I have seen and heard yeah. with their film team in yeah. order to simulate films inside their camera. So when you get a Fuji film X-T4, which is what I have here, you can go through film simulations, which include Velvia, Provia, Classic, like there's all kinds of different simulations in here. And it bakes it into the JPEG. And it bakes it into the JPEG. It burns it in, it's finalized, it's compressed. Now, People wanted to know, what if I wanted to shoot Kodak Portra or Cinestill 800T mm-hmm. or Lamography Berlin? Like, these are unique films that are not Fujifilm and not in the camera. Well, mm-hmm. people have gone and figured out how to manipulate the color inside of a Fuji camera using your hi- highlights, shadows, 
curve, your white balance, uh, red, green uh, shifting, or red, mm -hmm. blue shifting. And using these things, I am now on this camera shooting Kodachrome 2. It is not Kodachrome. It is yeah. not anywhere remotely close to Kodachrome, but it's beautiful. And yeah. it reminds me of Kodachrome. Okay. You get you get a little bit of you get a little bit of grain, um, based on like what film you might be shooting. Like I'm just showing Tom here, like Oh man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so I like it. I like it a lot. And if you shoot Fuji, I would recommend you try this, although I would not rely on this as a film so, experience. So as it Oh, okay. It's I not a film gonna, it's not I, a film experience at all. Okay. You you just get really nice colors. Okay. That are emulating what that film might have been all right yeah i like it i like it i'm just gonna say it i'm sorry yeah <laughs> no i think that i think that there is i think that as i repeat myself a bunch here uh <laughs> i think that people who shoot film like it because it it it's less effort on the back end and it feels more like yes. you're preparing for that moment when you're releasing the shutter and there it is yep I agree. And then the output is like is processing and then a little bit of scanning or if you're doing darkroom prints, like it's not it feels more final when you're snapping that photo. It and does. I think that this like even even when you shoot Fuji and have the preset baked into the JPEG, it feels like that too. Like there's less editing and I don't know. And I think that a lot of people associate honesty to that. Like you're being honest about what you're taking a picture of because yeah. you're editing it less. I don't, I'm not of that opinion, but I think that, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I definitely have a different experience when I'm shooting film uh, yeah. in terms of fidgeting yeah. rather than anticipating the moment. Like yeah. when I was shooting with the Voigtlander, I focused, yeah. I got my settings all set up and then it was about the weight of capturing that exact moment. Yeah. And with digital, you can take the photo and you can be like, I can make it look that way. <laughs> yeah. It's almost it's that, less it's, fiddly too. Like yeah. you're not, I don't know. When I have my foam camera out with friends, I yep. snap the picture, I set the camera down and forget that it exists yep. for a little bit. Same Whereas thing. like if I've got my DSLR or my it's mirrorless, like, it's just like, you're just. It's like being on a phone. Yeah. You're playing with it for yeah. 20 minutes and then looking up and going, oh, yeah, what, are you, what are you talking we're about? We're on a different conversation. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's take a quick commercial break um, for our sponsors, and then we'll get into some hot takes and uh, get you guys a challenge for the week. And dig it. Boy. Congratulations to our new sponsor, Canon, who launched their new EOS R3 mirrorless camera this week. Curious about this awesome new body from Canon? Check out our YouTube channel in the show notes and watch our first look and review on the EOS R3 as we test its new autofocus vehicle detect and 30 frames per second burst rate. Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller of Canon equipment and you can find out more or purchase gear at mpex.com and search Canon. And we're back. And let's go. Bonkers. <laughs> it's going to start off with a bang there. I think we just won. All right, see you guys. <laughs> um, okay, so we're back, and uh, let's talk about some gear, and then we'll get in some hot takes. Let's Tom. talk about film, baby. <laughs> let's talk about 35. All right. <laughs> so you got three film cameras. I got three film cameras from our used inventory. Yep, I think you're going to be surprised at my last one because I went back and forth uh. for a second, and I was like, I think I'm going to be surprised either way. Okay. 
All right. So you want to go one for one? Yep. Canon A1. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Holds a special place in my heart. And mine it's too. A, it's a little bit of a bump up from the AE1. Like, I think it was the more like pro model kind of yes, thing. I think you're right. I think it's a good looking camera. I think it's very compact for all of the features that it has. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we've got one sitting on the shelf with the motor drive and it looks real clean. Looks real nice. Dang, dang, uh, and that was also the first camera that I broke as a kid. So that was my, my dad had an A1 that I grinded up all the gears because I didn't push that bottom pin. And yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to start with my surprise pick. Oh, ready? Coming out with a bang. We have a drum roll, please. Really nice, super clean. The silver is like still like sometimes you see the silver is all dinged up or I'm, scratched. Or I'm liking how the, you're teasing me into this. I like this. Yep. Yeah, the Nikon FM2. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Compact, classic. It's look. one of my favorite cameras ever. Lightweight. Between you and me, I think it's better than the F3 HP. <laughs> don't tell matt day it's just it's a clean looking camera it Love does you, exactly day. what you need it's got you know the shutter speed control you get the aperture on the lens you can't go wrong it's with just it. basic it's like basic in the best possible way like right you got everything you need and nothing you don't that it's is a like camera the like a m6 but in slr form that is a camera that if i dropped it without a lens on it i would not worry about its mechanics <sighs> I would be a little heartbroken. I'd be heartbroken that it fell. Right. I, I'd apologize to you'd to be it like, profusely. Okay. You'd but. be like, okay, this is my camera now with that <laughs> ding in the prism. Like, yep. Exactly. All right. You're up next. What's the next next on your list? I, I think you could guess this one. Can I can I let you guess this one? It's the Zorky 4, isn't it? We've got a Zorky 4 for <laughs> sale here. It's got an old Indistar lens on it. I think it's like an Indistar 22 or something, mm -hmm. which is an F3.5 lens, which... Sure, it's not F2, but it's sharp all the way through, and it's mm -hmm. got an old... I, what I love about a lot of those old uh, uh, Soviet lenses is they, they're they all... for A lot of them either have really minimal coatings or no coatings at all, mm -hmm. so you get like a really kind of early photography look out of them and the way they capture light and all of that. Throw a roll of like double X or tri X in there, and you're... You're shooting with Zorky, Golden. comrade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a Zorky, so you can beat the crap out of it. You can throw it in your bag, yep. and even if it's not a camera bag, and I I don't worry about mine at all. Don't like, worry about your Zorky. Your yeah. Zorky is clean. I have you have you done some rework on that leatherette or something? No, so this one this one's actually a more recent one. Every time Yeah. That one was actually given to me pretty recently. The one that I've had for like ever that was like my first fully manual camera that I owned. Yeah. Uh, I'd taken it everywhere. Like I traveled a lot for work at one point and uh, yeah, the shutter's way up top. You're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no film in it. Um, But I'd taken it everywhere and I would literally not even have a camera bag. I would just literally throw it in my book bag and just beat the crap out of it and it still looks like the day i got it like they just kind of all right go. tom i think you've convinced me that i need to try shooting a zorky really i don't like that it doesn't have a meter that's one thing that bothers me but it feels nice you got it on your phone you got a meter app i don't like using my phone as a meter I'm so sorry just i did not mean <laughs> to like offend you there <laughs> wow <laughs> i didn't mean that <laughs> i do not you know this about me tom i have said this i feel like i've said it before <laughs> i'm not I, I i'm not trying to reprimand you i'm sorry but 
No, Here's I, I do want to explain. Oh, good humor. Yeah, I do want to explain why I don't time. like having uh, to use my phone as a meter because when I'm shooting film, I don't I don't want. I want to be like kind of like a Luddite. I don't want to have a bunch of technology around me. I don't want to be burdened, man. I don't want to be burdened by the, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, 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 I'm going to have to give this a try. It's you gotta, interesting. You've got big Lucille Bluth energy going right now. <laughs> How much could a Zorky possibly cost, Tom? $3? <laughs> I mean, actually, probably. No, I don't know what but we've got. It I, I need you guys to hear this. Uh, yeah. It's so satisfying. Yeah. It's not a fast-paced camera, though. No, not a fast-paced camera at all. But it's the kind of camera where I'm on vacation, and I stop to take a couple pictures, and I realize that my family had continued walking <laughs> a block and a half up the street, and I have to find them again. That The viewfinder has something to be desired. The, the whole camera does. <laughs> Come on. All right, all right, all right. I see your I Set see your standards your, low for this one. It's, I a, see it's your, a fun camera, though. I'm going to go with my next pick. Because right. I see your Zerky 4. Oh. And I raise you. Oh. The Leica single stroke M3 that we have over there. Same thing, really. Just exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not screw mount. I just, I just wanted yeah. to upset a lot of people with that comment. So Tom shoved this thing into my hands. Probably, I, you know, I had, I had kind of been wooing over an M6, M7, and uh, I was wooing over an M6, M7. What are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> this podcast is getting weird, man. I was I was drooling over uh, the idea of possibly in the future owning one of those, and Tom shoves a Leica M3 into my hands. And I said, "Well, what about a 35?" And he hands me these things, this lens, this lens that has three eyeballs on it. So, if you don't know this, so the Leica M3, I think, was the first M mount camera yes. that Leica came out with. Is the first M mount without essentially without a screw mount lens, mount right? On it. Yes. It's got a bayonet mount lens. And it has 50 and 75 millimeter frame lines. Is that right? Yes. And so to get 35 millimeter frame lines, you're essentially putting, they put what they call goggles on the lens. So when you mount it, it basically distorts your viewfinder to stretch it out and make it look like 35 millimeter. Yep. And we'll take a picture of this. I think they look cool with the goggles. Tom to looks cool. I think it looks like a nerdy kid growing up or something. <laughs> I really so. One of my favorite artists is named Tom Sachs. Yes, and I like that he shows his work. You can see where the screws are. You can see how it's put together. And I like that with the Leica M3 that when you see it, you're like, oh, that's problem solving. That like, yep. how do we get 35 millimeter frame lines? Let's put another lens in front of that lens. Yeah. And so it's a very interesting setup. I will take a photo of both the lens separately and the lens on the M3 so that you can see what kind of setup I shot. And then I'll also uh, give some photos to Maddie so she can show you some of the film images I shot with the M3. It is a dream to shoot with. Yeah. My the only... other cool thing with that, uh-huh. real quick, uh, so he said single stroke. That means you're cocking the shutter once. Originally, it was double stroke because... They couldn't figure out a way to cock the shutter once and not rip the film at the time because the film was not yep. was not uh, robust enough. And so as film technology progressed, they were able to do single stroke. So you'd send your Leica M3 double stroke into Leica and they would re-engineer it to be single stroke yep. and send it back to you. This is why when you buy a Leica, 
it has a Leica price tag. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing is you've got a Leica, and Leica is, yeah, they yeah. take a lot of pride in the products they make. Almost, I think Fuji does a good job of things yeah. like that now with their updated firmwares and stuff. So I will say that the Leica M3 is a dream to shoot with, and I would shoot it for the rest of my life if it had a meter. And I know you can buy meters for the hot shoe and put them yeah. on top of there and kind of get a, an idea. Hot shoe. That camera doesn't have a hot shoe. Cold shoe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Does it? Does, snarky over is the here. hot shoe active on that one? I can't. I think it's an. I think it's yeah. got the two little studs in the oh, back, and you plug in. You're right. You're right. But yeah, the that's yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. Like it is. It is nice to have a meet. It, it's crazy how much of a difference having a meter in the viewfinder as you're taking the picture. How much that streamlines your process of yeah. taking a picture. I would probably say, what's that one company I found that does custom paint jobs? Oh, Schwedo Shwe- camera? Yeah. Shwedo? I don't I know would, how to pronounce it. That I'm would be, it, we'll put the Instagram, the people. we'll put the Instagram handle in the, um, They're it's, it's a co- absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's a, com- so it's a company stunning. out of Taiwan that does custom paint jobs on unique vintage cameras. And it's, it's just absolutely beautiful stuff. Really, I think it's just all commission too. It is. So it's yeah, like you, you s- send in whatever camera you've got, and yep. you say, "I want it to be painted this way." And they and it looks like they start doing lenses too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. They like usually a, do like a kit, so like yep. they match your lens to the body when they refinish but it. But somebody sent in a Leica lens to get brassed, essentially, like to to kind of wear to it take down. the finish off. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, so it's just an, get some scratch right or or shoot your gear use your gear and it'll happen eventually <laughs> now the m3 out there i think would be the perfect case scenario for a job like that that's the one i would send in and have like a custom paint job done on um because i think it would what be. color um i would probably do like a um i kind of they have this like technique where they do hammered metal oh yeah so i'd probably do like a black matte black with hammer like a little bit of hammering on it yeah yeah like just dub it out black black little levers everything's yeah. would black. you have accent colors at all because they do a lot of that too they just did i think a canon p with all black all matte black but yep. gold text I saw, everywhere i saw that one it's it looks beautiful be- yeah gorgeous and um i would say yeah i'd probably do accents on the shutter speeds and the aperture of whatever lens i had on there and i would go with um just white so would I'm, you make uh like any of the shutter speeds a different color like sure. to signify like this n- this number's meaningful or do you get weird like that? Uh, the only that stuff? the the only thing I like about that is um like on Fuji they do an X um but it's the shutter the um sync speed the, okay yeah so that's you know some older cameras you'll see that the sixtieth is like orange and that means that's what you're supposed to be syncing your flash with if you sh- use a flash yeah so, okay yeah that's what that's that's the only thing I would do okay nothing nothing unique. All right. Um, all right. So that I did my like M3, and, and what's what do you got? What's next for you? It's another Russian camera. Oh boy, which one's this? You want to guess? You're not gonna get it. I'll just say it. Okay. So there's not these sure old cameras that are uh, that Jeff Bridges used on set <gasps> on different cinema had... cameras or on different cinema sets, and his was called a Wide Lux. I the russians ripped off another camera here and this one's called a horizon Mm -hmm. 202 is what we've got here and it's what they call a swing lens camera so literally the lens is swinging from right to left capturing the frame to make a panoramic image and you can do some cool and funky weird stuff with that i love those cameras so just so people know you're loading 35 it's a 35 camera right the the horizon is i believe it is yeah you're loading it in there and as the the they lens. do make 35 millimeter and 120. 
Oh, camera, they do. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. 120s are typically more common. Really? Because I think it's easier. Like, yeah. you've got more room to put all those mechanics in there. Right. Um, as the lens lens swings, a strip of the film actually gets exposed. So you're not getting a traditional sized it's image. It's like one and a half times. Yeah. So I think I think what you get is essentially three exposures per 35 roll. Is that right? I think that's what... You said three exposures per 35? Yeah. That's if you're shooting a 24 roll, right? I don't understand the math there. So if you're shooting a 24 exposure roll uh-huh. and you're su- shooting on a swing... You're going to get more than three exposures. How many exposures do you think you get? I think you get like a th- maybe a third less oh, exposures I or maybe maybe half the exposures. I'd have I I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, we'll have to do But I think it's time. one and a half frames like one and a half times oh, like okay. the width of a normal 35 millimeter. So you get frame. way more than three frames then. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, good. tons more. Good, good. That's a really cool camera. I was going to say that would be 24 exposures and you're getting three. That would be <laughs> insane. That would be so cool. I want that camera. <laughs> I have no idea how you would display a panorama like that. <laughs> Andy would figure out a way. That's true. He would. We'd get RA over at uh, Frame Makers of Clintonville to help us out. <laughs> um, that is a really cool camera. And if you haven't seen Jeff Bridges' work, actually, I think that was the camera I chose for our last holiday. Like, Really? Yeah. It was. The, I said it was the because we, we had a category that was like, Money is not an option. Yeah. Acquiring the camera is not an option. Which camera you choose? And you chose Hal from, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, uh, Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. And I chose um, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges' Wide Lux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so I forgot about that. That's cool. Yeah. So make sure. Yeah, go to his website. It's, it's incredible. It's insane to see all of those people like, yeah, all of those people on film. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. All right. My last one. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess? Is it the Bessa? It's the Bessa. <laughs> oh, daggum. Is that Bessa's music playing? It's the Voigtlander <laughs> Bessa R2. These cameras were made between 2002 and 2004. There was only maybe a couple of thousand ever produced. If I remember this correctly. What is this voice? There was only a couple ever, ever <laughs> produced? Um, I think there were uh, several thousand produced, but I don't know that there were that many produced. They came in They're three colors. They're still working through their original warehouse of them. <laughs> if they are, yeah. send me one Voigtlander. Yeah. Um, they um, were a Leica alternative at the time. They have a, a Leica mount on them, the bayonet, bayonet mount. That you could get the R2, the original R, R version was a screw mount for mm-hmm. for a screw mount lenses. Um, it goes, I believe, it has a two thousandth max shutter speed, right, Tom? Correct, Amundo, and yes. adjustable frame lines for um, thirty five, fifty, seventy five, ninety. This one, yes, 35, 90, 75, 50. There are variations that instead give you a 40 millimeter line if you prefer shooting 40 mil instead of 35. Yeah, that's the other cool thing with the Bessas is mm-hmm. they, they change it up with the frame lines. And they actually, they make some with frame lines that you can't get on like it's like 21 millimeter yep. and stuff. Yeah, very, yeah. very unique stuff. Now, there is a bump up version from this called the R2A and... I'm going to tell you something that is so strange. It's just auto, right? Auto shutter speed? Um, it, uh, so well, you can do aperture priority? Y- yeah, you can do aperture priority on it. Um, the R2A, however, has a weird cutout by the film winding mechanism. So if you look at an R2 versus an R2A, the hmm. R2 actually has a sleeker body format um, at the top, which to me just looks better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, just a that's that's my retirement camera. Now they do you can still buy uh, advanced rewinder bases for it. So like quick quick rewinder bases, which are have really you seen fun. those like trigger ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those are wild. Pretty cool. So uh, that camera I will own hopefully in the next decade, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> what if? Yeah, that, I, I'm just like. We have yeah. a couple on hand if you want to check them out. Yeah. They have Voigtlander They're lenses so cool. on them. Um, one of them is a 35. Um, They're both color scope bar lenses, which I actually own the 3525 mm-hmm. color scope bar. That's a really, like, I've had that for years yep. and it's one of my favorites. Voigtlander so knows pretty. the glass. Yeah. For sure. The 525 um, is a little weird to me, though. We also have some Let's Noctin. Make it F2. Come we have on. some Noctin lenses that I've shot with two a 3512 and a 51.1, which are beautiful. Those are, those are crazy. So much glass. Yeah. All right. Um, what's a tool that you never thought you would need for film photography? That I never thought that I would need? Yeah. Or you, you never knew that you might need. Like there's something that's like, oh, yeah, I carry that because I shoot film. And I never thought about having to have that. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, yeah, you go first. <laughs> it's funny. I had this sheet in front of me. I've had, I've known these <laughs> an- these questions and it just didn't dawn on me until now. Like, what do you, you never knew? The one thing that I think that people neglect and that I think is very important, and we have them here, are safety binders and um, sleeves for your negatives. Mm. If you're going to spend as much money as Tom and I spent on shooting film, you better archive your images uh, properly, right? Think about it. I buy nice hard drives. It stresses drive. a lot of people out. It's like looking at life insurance or something. It is. Yeah. It is. So I, you know, think about it. If you are a photographer who spends money on nice hard drives to keep and backup drives and uh, cloud stuff and uh, you have the best, you have Lightroom mm-hmm. or Capture One, you're spending money on the photography. You're investing in the photography post taking mm-hmm. the photo. But you don't think about that as a film photographer. Yeah. You think, oh, I'm going to take, I'm going to shoot this roll of film. I'm going to give it back to me. It's going to be in this like sleevey thing. And then I'm just going to kind of throw it. And no, don't do that. Yeah. Don't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Go protect your images because your grandchildren might want them. Can I, can I do three? Yeah, you could do three. All right. Um, changing bag. If you're thinking about doing Ooh, deve- film developing at home, get a changing bag. I For the longest time, I was. I still own them. I for the longest time I only owned black. Uh, what are they called? Bath towels because I could basically <coughs> put them over the bathroom door and black uh, out my bathroom so that I could like work over my toilet with like like loading reels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then if something fell, it was just yeah, it wasn't great. Changing bags make it a lot easier. It also gives you a limited space to work in, so things can't fall off the table. Oh, and stuff good, like that. It point. keeps it all together while your arms are in there. Um, leader retriever. Get Ooh. a lead, film leader retriever because there's going. We do. Uh, they're hard to find good ones at this point. Mm, yeah. We sell them. We'll help you like kind of learn how to use them. We also have them in our dark room. We have the ones that we prefer in our dark room, but those ones are no longer produced. Um, I prefer the little. It's like literally two little pieces of pressed spring steel together yep. that yeah um you never know when a roll of film is going to get accidentally rolled back into the like the canister or whatever you usually there's going to be a need for it at some point yeah um and then a sharpie 
if you shoot film like I do, you forget what film you've got in the camera. You forget how you shot that roll of film and you forget like every step of the way document. So I've got a little piece of masking tape on the back of my Zorky that says 400. So I know what film speeds in there. Uh, It does not have an ISO dial. So that's how I keep track. And then if I throw a roll of film in the camera, I mark it how I intend to shoot it before I put it in the camera so that when I pop it out and throw it in my bag, I'm not like, didn't I push that two stops or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's a good point. And also putting a date on the roll of film because sometimes Mm -hmm. you find a roll of film and you're like, was this last week or three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. Um, On that note, so that's a really good idea, Tom. I have a label maker and i that's did, excessive uh, I, <laughs> I did that's this. a very kevin thing for <laughs> this is our personalities coming out i've got tom, like tom. an old piece of crusty masking tape on the back of my camera and tom, you've got a high yeah. quality label printed tom is the student of tom Sachs, and i am the student of my mother yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're more of so, a dieter rams kind of guy yes yes yeah. very much uh brawn yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um but so i use a label maker to do the same thing with with iso um, that's back when I had my, uh, uh, Canonet though, um, mm-hmm. which did not have one of those convenient little windows in the back. Neither does now the best. It has a window. You can see what film you have in there. Yeah. Cause it's got a meter on it. Yeah. A lot of film cameras that don't have meters don't have any way to like track your film speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I do, yes, I have a Tupperware container in my fridge. I'll take a picture of this. It says mm. film, film, not food. It's where uh, my instant packs go for my Instax. It's where my film goes. You wake up sometimes at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, and you're like, ah, I could really go for a snack, and you just toss back a couple of rolls of pork. <laughs> like, um, and then, yeah, every everyone is labeled with uh, the date that it it was ex- it expires that was on the box, at least. Oh. So. Oh, yeah, because they don't label individual rolls with their expiration dates. Not no more. Um, I don't know if they ever did, though. Maybe. I'm sure some of them did. I don't know. Yeah, so think about those things when you're when you're considering what else just, you might. Just think about it. Just think about it. Um, all right, some hot takes, and then we'll get into your challenge and let you go. Hot takes. True, false, Tom. Film's dead. Nobody's making it, shooting it anymore. <laughs> uh, I feel like we just invalidated that that hot take in a whole episode yeah uh so film is for people who want to be trendy is the next (laughs) one because we all know the answer to that um no film's not dead it's very much alive and it is very much a a big part of of our company's revenue stream right now so we appreciate those who are shooting film and we encourage you to try out something that you might have thought was dead but is not just like you go to the store and you might pick up of you know of some vinyl yeah, and there's like I feel like there's some there's still a little bit of that kids these days energy happening yeah. with like that with some of that. Yeah. But man, kids these days are doing cool stuff with film. Though. They are. They really are. There's like I don't know the Nishikas that are going around and yep. like people doing the wiggle grams. Like, what else would you have done with those four photos? <laughs> and like before, you've got four well, slightly different views, I guess. If but you like, look at the old Nashika, um, they they would advertise a printer that could do lenticular uh, prints, and so you could oh, uh, so you, you could do w- like little hologram type things. Exactly, 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 <laughs> dude. Exactly for lenticular. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's I don't know. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, and yeah. I think. I don't know. It's it seems a lot like the vinyl stuff that's going around. Yeah, people are just doing cool stuff with it. Yep, the analog is alive and well. Um, Heck yeah, dog. Both in both in music and in art. All right, 
Film is for people who want to be trendy. False. Um, heck, I mean, I just talked to Matt Day the other day. If you guys aren't familiar with Matt Day, go back. Who? Matt Day. <laughs> He's a guy on the kidding. YouTubes. I love, um, love Matt. Uh, Matt Day is, you know, uh, he was talking to me about a potential uh, commercial gig that he was going to get shooting shooting on film. And uh, he, was, he was getting a little excited about it. And I was like, hey, man, I would absolutely jump on that if it was offered to me. Yeah. So, um, no, it's... I mean, as I demonstrated too, Spencer's doing commercial work with his film. Film is just a different medium for a similar piece. Yeah. Of work. Like somebody plays piano, some people play keyboard. You yeah. Know? Some people shoot digital, some people shoot film. So. Yeah. Some people do both. Some people do it's both. It's also a good way to like exercise your creativity. Your creativity in a weird way, but still like kind of do similar things. True yeah. or false? Film brings you back to the root of photography. This is a hot take for sure. And here's why I say it's a hot take for sure. Yes, I do believe film brings you back to an original type of photography that gives you a different feeling. Some people like that feeling. Some people don't like that feeling. But here's my hot take. You don't have to be in connection directly with photographic roots if you have never, like you you don't have to shoot film to be in touch with those roots is my point. Yeah. I think it's okay to venture into finding your roots, but you don't have to. You can stand on your own. Here's my lukewarm take. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people do different, do things to kind of get themselves to think differently or to harness like energy from like, I don't know. I think that a lot of people will pick up their Leica M6 and think, and Henry Cartier-Bresson shot with Leica, and I want to be as good as he was, so here I am. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel really weird saying this. It's like me and my beer league hockey, uh, <laughs> hockey game stuff, <laughs> wearing sixty-eight because I liked watching Yager play hockey, and I feel like that. Yeah, I want to. I I want to. I want to harness some of that energy. I want to emulate some I of that. that, and it's like almost. I don't know. It's a little bit of cosplay happening there. I think, but I see what you're saying. But yeah, I think people do that. But I also think that, like you said, people also people all kind of have their ways of doing that i think mm -hmm. some people have photo books that they'll sift through and it doesn't like they don't even really think about the camera they may be shooting on the same like i don't know their their uh canon power shot s120 that they got <laughs> and it's like enough for them but yeah. they also really like i don't know looking I at the photo history of uh, whatever i can see how this question can go both ways yeah and for that all, reason it's all preference dude i shall propose this I say we put this out on a poll and stories on our Instagram feed. See what people think. Does film truly bring you back to the root? Yeah. Let's polarize the community. I mean, really, <laughs> it just, it makes me feel like I'm on William Fox Henry's, is it William Fox Henry Talbot's uh, balcony? Well, as he's watching the first photographic image <laughs> fixed on his sheet of paper <laughs> of the courtyard, you know? Oh, my gosh. I think about that every time I shoot my Zorky, you know? Uh... <laughs> True or false? <laughs> true, true or false? <laughs> film is expensive. Uh, the word expensive to me is a relative term. Um, something yeah. expensive to one person is going to not be that expensive to another. That said, there is no other way to shoot. I think it is probably one of the most expensive ways to participate in ph photography. 
I was going to say, I think that by its definition, it is more expensive than digital. Yes. There is a cost per shot. There is a calculated cost per shot. And there's a calculated cost per shot with your camera, but it is significantly less. Significantly, significantly, significantly less. I think my Z6 II has, what, 12 frames per second that I, 14 frames per second that I can hit with it. Mm -hmm. And like, at the end of the day, I'll edit them and not have spent anything other than the initial costs of the camera. Yep. But. Um, True or false? Shooting expired film needs to die. Oof. Hmm. No. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say false. It does not need to die because here's here's why. Somebody spent the time and resources to manufacture at least that roll of film, right? And sure, maybe they shot 99% of it. Let's assume that they shot 99% of it, and this may very well be the last roll. How, if I was somebody who was working away, laboring to make sure that those rolls made it out the door of the factory? I would appreciate the photographer who took the time to shoot the last roll made. Does that huh. make sense? Uh, kind of. <laughs> I wouldn't want my efforts to go to waste, and thus I would appreciate the person who shot that expired roll, despite saying, sure. who, who would have very well said, sure. eh, it's expired, I'll throw it away. Sure. I think that if you were if you were that employee, though, you would also not be surprised if, grandma threw away the roll of film that had been in the fridge for 30 years thinking that it had already been thrown away yeah i, can, I don't i, I can don't see, i can see that but i also so no of course it doesn't need to die but <laughs> at the same time like i think that people need to set their expectations for shooting expired film mm-hmm. and knowing that like if this roll of portra vc uh 160 that they found in a bag in a thrift store doesn't come out properly of course it didn't come out properly <laughs> yeah don't like, be upset you, you don't know how it was stored you don't know like if it sat on the dash of a car for a year and a half like you don't know all of the things that could have happened with it yeah but also that's kind of the fun of it you don't know what you're going to get and that can be that can be enticing almost like uh shooting double exposures on this roll of portrait 400 that i've got sitting here that i don't know at what point i rewind the roll <laughs> rewind the roll <laughs> Um, the other thing I, I want to point out there is that you have to be careful. I did see somebody recently on the, um, I think it was the film photography analog community. I can't remember which subreddit it was, but essentially they were asking, they were requesting to the community, Hey, I have this, I think it was, it was either Ektachrome or dude, slide film does not hold up. Either. I know. So here's what the request was. I have this Ektachrome. It was from this batch and it expires this date. If you have rolls similar to it, send it to me because I want all of my rolls to look the same because it was made in that batch. And I'm like, come on. How? I'm sorry. You're never – that's like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. I, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And if you're that dependent on the color being consistent, go with something that's not expi- – go buy a, a batch. The chrome, homie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so. and also, uh, to me, wanting that amount of consistency from film – specifically like i don't know shoot it digital dude yeah (laughs) like what are you doing if you want it to be that consistent like i you can get you can get a lot of consistency out of film modern film and stuff but to achieve that consistency is 
a lot of work. It was a big ask. Yeah, just yeah. It was a big ask. Yeah. Get your get your DSLR out and start shooting. Yeah, quit being a goof. Yeah. All right. Um. So with that said, let's leave you with a challenge. We want to know how you're bringing film back, or if you've experienced film. Have you not shot it in a while? How long has it been? Tell us about your experiences with it, either in the past or now, and let us know. Maybe we'll share your story. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I got to get a, a sting for that. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> woof, woof. All right. With that said, Tom, you got any final words for us? Uh, if you're going to shoot expired film, give it an extra stop per decade. That's my final thought. Unless it's Polaroid, then extra it's probably dried up. If it's Polaroid, I'm sorry, it's dried up. All right, people, right? Yeah. Thanks, Taylor, for your confidence <laughs> in us. <laughs> uh, that's a small joke that we have here at the store. All right. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere that you listen to your podcast. You can share your photos with us on Instagram at the number two weird camera beards or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video. You can also send us your images, questions, concerns, emails, prayers, whatever you want to send us to the number two weird camera beards at MPEX.com. Just know that it's a work email and we can't open up NSFW stuff. Uh, Kevin, I got some people to thank. Is that cool? Uh, thank away, sir. Uh, first off, thank you to our executive producer. She's magical, mystical. Marvelous. Mysterious. A little. Uh, Maddie O'Neill. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and special thank you to Josh Applebaum. I apologize for all my mumbling and rants in this episode. Go ahead and edit it down. We've got your picture. Just a little thumb stamp, a little, little postage stamp little photo of you here. Uh, and then thank you to uh, the president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum, and VP of Midwest Photo, Ken Lewis. Thank you guys for letting us do this. This is a lot of fun for me and Kev. And yeah, we're we're really thankful that you that you let us do this. Um, I know that Ken has been catching up on our two WCB episodes lately. Yep. So a little shout out to Ken. Thanks for all the support that you give me and Kevin throughout yep. all of this. You awesome. All right, yeah. folks. We'll see you next time. Peace out, Rainbow Trout. Mm-hmm.